Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. Before I get to this week's topic, uh, as you know, <clears throat> the Compliance Podcast Network is always on the lookout for new podcasts. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast but didn't know how? Well, if you've thought about it, please take a listen to this week's sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this week's episode, Matt and I channel our inner animal house to take a look at a food fight, which became a compliance issue, which became an ethics issue. We look at the termination of a cafeteria worker at Mascoma Valley Regional High School in Canaan, New Hampshire. The woman in question, Bonnie Kimball, was alleged to have allowed a student with no money to receive a lunch uh, in spite of the fact there was no money in his account. Uh, they, Matt wrote two blog posts on it. Some additional information came out, which uh, made um, Ms. Kimball's actions much more suspect. We explore when ethics and policies collide, how and when to do a robust investigation, and what did uh, we learn from all of this imbroglio. It's a fascinating exploration, literally torn from today's headlines. I know you will enjoy it going forward. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to channel our inner animal house because we're going to take a deep dive into the weeds around food fights, compliance, and ethics, and perhaps some other topics. So, Matt, with that uh, hopefully interesting introduction, first of all, uh, welcome. Yes. Hello, Tom. So, you had not one, but two blog posts this week on an uh, interesting case involving a terminated cafeteria worker from Mascoma yep. Valley Regional High School in Canaan, New Hampshire. Uh, it, in your original post, you reported that she had been fired because she allowed a student with no money to receive a lunch. Turns out there was uh, quite a bit more to the story than that. So you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, sure. This is um, one of those almost too good to be true kind of twist and turn cases that offer a lot of good examples and lessons learned for compliance officers as obscure of a tale that this is. Uh, But the woman involved was named Bonnie Kimball. And for four years, she had been a cafeteria worker at Muscoma High School in in Canaan, which is a suburb roughly of up near Dartmouth, New Hampshire. Um, And she was fired at the end of March, uh, allegedly for agreeing to spot one student an $8 lunch tab because he had not had enough money for all the food that he wanted. And originally, the story was that she quietly told him, take the food today, tell your mom to refill your account the next day, which he did. And then managers had witnessed her doing that. uh, And that was in violation of school district policy. District policy was going to be that uh, if you couldn't afford 
uh, meal, you got the meal of the day, whatever that was, that's what you got. And what this student did was he took some items off the a la carte menu. Uh, it has since come out that he took two sports drinks and some French fries for $8. Um, that was not what he was supposed to be allowed to do. And that was a violation of school district policy. And the subcontractor, and this ultimately will be a key part of all the lessons learned, uh, the high school subcontracted the cafeteria out to a business called Cafe Services. Cafe Services managers had watched Bonnie Kimball do all this, and they said that they had fired her for violating cash management pol- policies and processes that they had. And basically, she had stolen $8 from Cafe Services while giving this student some extra food because uh, we all thought he did not have enough money. Now, you can guess that when the headline seems like cafeteria lady fired for giving free food to hungry student without money, when that's the headline, it makes news and it got an awful lot of attention, which led to my first blog post about lessons learned on ethical objectives and operational objectives and their conflicts. And we can get to all of that. Um, And she wound up on NBC News and all over on Fox, and she was in the Manchester Union Leader. And then, three days later, it comes out that Bonnie Kimball had made up some very important key details to this story. And she had been giving that student free food for months on end um, because she just thought that it would be a nice thing to do because he was one of the star jocks on the football team or something like that. He was uh, one of the star jocks at the school. Um, the mother had no knowledge that Bonnie Kimball was doing this. The mother promptly gave an interview that said, we have ample money so he can get whatever he wants and pay for it. Um, and that turned out to be the real reason why Cafe Services had fired Bonnie Kimball. Not that they put that in her termination letter, which she shot all over Twitter that basically just said you had did this one thing. Um, So it turned out that she had fabricated a lot of the key details to make herself famous for 15 minutes. So then we had a whole other second blog post about how you have to watch out for proper documentation, social media risks, worker discipline policies, uh, so that you don't get a false story, which looked a lot like what we all thought three days earlier. So we're all over the place with lessons learned here. But um, yeah, topsy-turvy, life in America, that's what was going on. So if I could start with your first blog post, Matt, uh, frankly, when I read it, uh, what immediately came to mind to me was the uh, passenger physically dragged off the United Airlines plane uh, because uh, they wanted to bump him his seat to give it to a United employee, and they called police officers to uh, physically remove him from the, the scene. And then uh, United had a couple of other incidents where the staff either uh, rigorously enforced the letter, literally the letter of the law in form of the company rules, or felt like they had no flexibility uh, to make a reasonable accommodation at the time of the incident in question. And uh, that part, I thought you uh, really uh, – brought forward in the policy versus the objective and certainly yeah. your section on accommodating ethics. But then as, as I read uh, part two, what really struck me was the need to not only have a, a quick but efficient investigation, but also to perhaps look beyond the normal uh, areas that a company might investigate uh, 
investigate the people involved, interview the people involved, look at the internal company documents, because you pointed out the uh, really damning evidence that was on social media in terms of Facebook messaging. Yeah. So I'm going to break that up, my response up into two parts. Let's put aside the small detail that she lied. And so the first column is predicated on a lot of things that ultimately turned out to be not true. That said, some of the points that were raised there, if her situation had been true, we have some pretty important points to think about. Um, I would say that originally, as we understood it, it was a really good example of how ethical objectives, if they are always going to be at the top of mind, and that's what we all say at all these meetings with the board or shareholder meetings or CEO and chief compliance officer town halls. We always say ethics are the top priority. It's always about our ethical values. And here they are. If that is the case, that they are number one, then by definition, operating goals and objectives are number two or lower. And one of your operating goals is to follow policy and follow procedure and everything else. But if ethics tops all of that, then what we're really saying is that at some point, under some circumstance, the employee is going to deviate from policy and procedure in pursuit of something bigger. And in this case, you could have said the bigger ethical objective was compassion for a hungry student who didn't have enough money to buy the meal. Um, And that, you know, if she had not lied, if that was the story, I think that's an important point for organizations to realize. If you say ethics is most important, By definition, you're saying at some point we accept employees might go off the policy manual in pursuit of those objectives, and we should be ready for that. And especially what was interesting is that the school district might have said that, but did the school district check with its subcontractor, Cafe Services, to make sure that its objectives were in alignment with the schools, the schools being compassion to students who can't afford a meal. And that's the question I think compliance officers might want to ask. If we have subcontracted labor working in our office, um, you know, working on a special project or something like that, or we have freelancers or not, um, are their objectives and alignments, uh, objectives and policies and ethical goals for whoever does actually sign their contract or sign their paycheck? Because it's not you, it's it's cafe services. It's uh, some, I don't know, personnel uh, recruitment agency or something like that. If they're temps, somebody else is signing their paychecks, not your company. Are your goals and objectives and all of your exceptions that might arise, are they all in alignment with the subcontractors' goals and objectives? And do you have procedures in place to catch that employee when they or that subcontractor when they go off the range? and pursuit of a bigger ethical goal. And it looked at first like none of that was in place with Bonnie Kimball. And that I think is what people would have to think about is how do we make sure that when employees or third parties working for us, when they deviate from policy or when they think that they should for a bigger ethical purpose, do you have a mechanism in place to let them do that and bring it to your attention quickly because you might not, and you might wind up with the original Bonnie Kimball situation. Now, we can get to the real Bonnie Kimball situation in a moment because she lied, but that was my big takeaway from column number one. So let's uh, let's then move over to column number two, because here 
it really struck me yeah. that um, you, the point that she lied cannot be overemphasized, but also the point that no one really did anything close to an effective investigation. Um, and it seemed to me most of the information you pointed out that did come about came from the Manchester Union leader, not from either the school district or her employer. Yeah. So now we move to number two. Bonnie Kimball lied. And how did this lie take on a life of its own and get ahead of the truth? Well, specifically because Cafe Services gave her a termination letter that was poorly worded and it was incomplete. It is four sentences long and it says, you were fired because you did this one thing at the end of March where you gave the student that free meal in violation of our cash handling policies. So here's your final paycheck. And it was a nice little letter. Um, I don't know if maybe the cafe services had done an investigation, but Tom, to your point, they didn't do a thorough one. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but it wasn't documented. And that, you know, Tom, Tom, I know you always love to say document, document, document. Well, here's why. So that you could have a more thorough uh, termination letter that listed, we know you did this for three months. We know the value of the food given to this student is well in excess of $8. And it went on for many months. And the parent was not aware of this. Um, and, you know, if all of that had been in the termination letter, then she wouldn't have been able to flip it into her 15 minutes of fame before it all came crashing down. And that led to, you know, my other big point in part two here is that poor documentation creates room to interpret an event in multiple ways. And social media allows some specific interpretation to take flight and magnify into what we all think is the truth, even if it isn't. So here we all were for three days thinking that Bonnie Kimball was a victim of terribly callous behavior. Um, the school district was threatening to cancel a half million dollar contract with cafe services. They quickly did this YouTube video to defend themselves. And it became this really embarrassment for the district as well, because they had originally said, you hire her back or we're terminating you. And then it all comes out that she had lied. And she was messaging the student on Facebook to make sure they got their story straight as recently as this week. Um, embarrassing, inappropriate. And of course, now the school district had to rescind its threat and said, we will let you proceed with the contract. You don't have to hire back Bonnie Kimball. For all I know, she might face criminal charges or something for wasting so many people's times. Um, but uh, all of that happened because poor documentation gave her a thing, a termination letter, which she could share with everybody. And it was in the newspaper and it was on Twitter. And it looked like she got fired for doing the right thing. And she got fired for doing the wrong thing, but they didn't document that correctly. And she was allowed to you know, get away with this for several days. We all talk about risks around social media. And I always say that it's not a risk unto itself. It magnifies the risks you already have. The risk of poor documentation is that it allows multiple stories to float around and poor documentation on social media lets you blow up one version at the expense of others and the other might sometimes be the truth. And that's what happened here. And so here we are. So, Matt, I guess the thing that struck me most powerfully was 
that we typically, and certainly I talk about document, document, document. But in terms of the potential damages, uh, the document, document, document directly relates to the regulatory process or a, a legal violation, which the Department of Justice or other prosecutors might prosecute. We certainly talk about how uh, lack of risk management coupled with the amplification of social media can lead to a dip in stock price, even if it's a short short time and uh, associated regulatory fines or civil liability. But here we have uh, literally a opportunity or a situation where a company could have lost a huge contract. And I'm going to have to assume this subcontractor yeah. is not a multi-million dollar uh, a multinational company. They're probably a small local company and they were put themselves at risk from losing a huge contract uh, with attendant incredible, at least local negative publicity, which could have uh, negatively impacted them in other school districts. And so the danger for not simply uh, having a robust risk management protocol, but doing the basics of simply documenting can lead to uh, some significant financial uh, disincentives and risks. I I agree with all of that. And, you know, I I have some conflicting emotions here just as a reporter who was looking at this case and commenting on it. And there are probably some uh, media negativity types out there who will say that the media didn't get their facts straight. Well, I did have the fact of the termination letter. It was there. There's a photo of it. It's on my website. You can read it yourself. That, That factually said, you were fired for this one incident over $8. And social media accelerated the ability to put that message out there. Now, that wasn't the actual truth. She was fired for something else, and that was not properly documented and recorded there, and it gave Bonnie Kimball an opportunity, and she ran with it. It looks to me like she didn't fully understand the consequences of what she put into motion until you know she was there on the news, but actually knew that she had lied, and I suspect she's not going to give any follow-up interviews anymore. But um, you know, it does get to the point that you never know where this document might take the company or what sort of business risk it might suddenly mushroom into something for you. That could be a very serious issue. And for cafe services, I'm sure it was. Um, but, you know, the fact remains that they had a poorly worded termination letter that was gave an incomplete picture. And uh, that put a loaded gun into Bonnie Kimball's hands and she fired it on Twitter. And next thing you know, she's on Good Morning America and NBC News and Radical Compliance, the most powerful media organizations out there. Uh, and, and can we also add, in addition to channeling her inner Bluto and Flounder, she offered to uh, uh, take the student in question to meet some of the New York Jets. So it probably doesn't get much better than that. No, not at all. So, Matt, this has just been a fascinating uh, exploration of multiple issues that every compliance practitioner uh, should study uh, on all levels. So uh, I look forward to seeing what next week brings us. All right. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Check out Matt's two blog posts on these topics. I'm going to link to them in the show notes. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Join us again next week when Matt and I pick up another topic of interest in the compliance or ERM world. Compliance Into the Weeds is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network, part of C-Suite Radio. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.